0: subculture and overall overall, badass welcome welcome to kettle
1: Kettle whistle 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 radio
0: With your, host, With your host Dave, Dave, Dave and Sean. And
1: Sean. No. Testing, testing. Hey, how the fuck are you? Hi, hi. Hello. Hey, hey, hey. I know it's been a while. We have a very special guest tonight: CJ Goodwin, director, writer, producer, and actor. Um, and he's gonna—he has a new take on Sherlock Holmes and it's one that I don't think I've seen done yet, maybe someone maybe they've done it in Europe, I don't think so, though. Um, I've, I'm very schooled in Arthur Conan Doyle, and I know the approach that he took with his Sherlock Holmes character, and uh, C.J. Goodwin actually takes it there. I'm very interested to hear what he has to say about that. He also has a, um, a scale of ghostality and fear factor, I didn't know there was a scale of ghosts, and uh, I guess I'll have to consult Miss Heather Taddy on that, who was in Kansas on an investigation, and she's going to come back and tell us about that very soon. Um, we're going to talk about catharsis and horror, uh, because C.J. Goodwin, well, he brought it up, and Eyes of a Roman. He, he took this bold approach at a historical, um, well, an arc on history and we'll have him talk about his dramatic piece but yes uh jackson was his horror movie and he's going to talk about that too and we're talking a little bit about soundtracks and what's important about them and, and music in general and how important it is to a film and uh got a lot of music that goes on here too uh, i gotta say um we're gonna be playing um some new stuff too uh, a band called pmad p-m-a-d and a song called Sisters. Now, there's a lot of. I'm gonna say this is like a, a tune for like fans of 120 minutes back in the 80s into the 90s. There's a lot of um, alt rock, goth. Oof, I, I, I want to say post punk as well, uh, going on here. Um, you're gonna you're gonna hear a lot of different sounds from different bands that you probably liked if you grew up in in the 80s and into the 90s. Um, I did not. I 70s and I I'm, please. Ran the gamut of all that. But um, I got to say, it's reminiscent of everything you heard on 120 Minutes. And the guitars. Pay attention to the guitars. Um, Artistic, amazing, and revolving. And even the bass. like There's a lot going on here. And I enjoyed this tune. And I enjoyed this band. Again, P-M-A-D. Lowercase P, uppercase M-A-D. The song is called Sisters. And um, this album was released on uh, August 31st. Uh, the new single I'm going to read this right off the bat here from uh, the band itself The New Single Sisters is P-Mad's take on those we love gone too soon. They don't go away very far. They walk beside us every day, having left such an impression on us. They are still loved, still missed, and a very important influence on our lives. Sisters by P-Mad is a simultaneously intense, dark, brooding, and yet hopeful song showcasing high energy guitars and an organically authentic drum line sisters is an emotionally is emotionally warmy <laughs> warmy <laughs> it's warmy it's warm indie rock and a song that boldly presents a post-punk rock sound and lyrical style as always p has us thinking with his powerful lyrics one man i do know the man we're going to talk to him soon with his powerful lyrics, this time on the love and loss of those closest to us. And I want to thank you assholes that are texting me right now as I'm reading this, (laughs) because I almost dedicated it to you. But um, that's my fault for having my phone on. Um, Quite frankly, uh, uh, my heart goes out to my friend Joanne, who had a major loss. Uh, A lot of my friends did this summer. We all did uh, at some point, um, you know, and my family as well. And uh, I'm thinking of my friend Joanne out in Long Island right now. And uh, you're not alone, kid. You're not alone. We're all there with you. And um, we'll let this song go out to you. Uh, apparently, it's uh, right on par with where we are right now. So uh, let's listen to P-Mad right now, sisters. And um, we'll get in with C.J. Goodwin. And let me tell you, this guy, Very insightful. Um, I think he downplays himself a little bit because there's a lot of talent going on there and a lot of... Bold, very bold um, taking on the Sherlock Holmes character and I try not to give spoilers and you know, directors, they love to give them as a tease and we love that too here and thanks for listening Kettle Whistle Radio we'll be back here soon with uh, Sean and Taddy at some point because we got a lot of concerts to wrap up I mean, when I say a lot uh we went everywhere from a five finger death punch to duran duran to idols uh there's just so much going on all right and uh we'll catch up all right and uh there's <laughs> sean texts me right now yeah where are you punk all right hey enjoy this song and enjoy this um interview with cj goodwin director okay thanks for listening to kettle whistle radio and as always Find us on Spotify now. Um, uh, t- everywhere you can find podcasts. Um, I'm at Fairly Dark on Twitter, not real active. Trying to get more active, I know. I'm supposed to be, but Instagram Kettle Whistle Radio dot whatever the fuck. All right, hey. But please, please, you got to stick around for the end of the show uh, for Jive Bomb from Flat Spot Records. Let me tell you, Flat Spot Records out of New York City. Um, what a connection! Great absolute great punk and hardcore and rock and roll uh jive bomb primitive desires stick around that for the the end of that uh the end of the show just so you can hear that and then hit up flat spot records and say i sent you there okay and in the meantime just have a good time all right and be be nice to each other it's it's rather swell I'm without some folks and some uh, friends today. Uh, No co-hosts. Long story there. uh, You'll get to hear all about it. Uh, Sean's a little busy. And, uh, well, Miss Heather Taddy was going to be here, but she had tickets to see uh, Corey Feldman live. um, I'm not going to elaborate on that until she comes in and talks about it. But instead, you know what? I got somebody much more important. C.J. Goodwin, who is a director, writer, actor, producer of Indie Films, uh, maybe there's more out there I don't know about, but how are you feeling today, uh, Mr. Goodwin? Doing
0: good, man. Uh, I appreciate you having me on your show.
1: Oh, hell yeah, man. Uh, what's your mindset like right now? Oh, well, right now I'm in uh, pre-production
0: for our R-rated our Sherlock Holmes film that I'm doing, so kind of got that wrapped in my brain right now, but uh, besides that, I'm doing pretty good.
1: So I pulled you good. out of the nether sphere to do an interview while you have too much on your mind. That's probably the best time to pick a director's brain.
0: <laughs> I think so. Yeah, you get some more like uh, behind the scenes leakage that you're yeah. probably not supposed to say and you'll
1: get it out of me. <laughs> and minus the spoilers. I, we, try, we try not to give spoilers here, but directors have a habit of doing that sometimes. Uh, so, all right. I, where do we begin with you? Uh, you're more than a, a horror director, but it seem, you seem to have a flair for history.
0: Uh, yeah, you know, so um, I guess my latest film that's coming out in November is called Eyes of a Roman. That's a period piece with Marcus Crassus and Spartacus. And um, so that was obviously a really challenging film. It took us about two years. There's a lot of uh, wardrobe that goes involved with something like that. Um, we actually had over uh, 200 people that worked on this film, uh, which is A lot, you know, when it comes to, you know, the low, the no budget indie films, uh, at least made here in Texas. And um, my next film is the Sherlock Holmes. And, of course, that's more like the 1880, the, you know, 1905 range. So another period piece. And so, yeah, man, I guess I just like going uh, a little bit more on the history side and bringing those worlds to life.
1: You like to challenge yourself, whether it's about the Romans or Sherlock Holmes. Um, Right now, okay, so we got Mayor of the Night. That's your uh, Sherlock Holmes film coming out uh, w- November? Is that right?
0: Uh, well, we're we're filming Sherlock Holmes actually in March. Right oh, now, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. So Eyes of a Roman, my Roman film, comes out November fifth right. to the public. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, um, the film actually, what I what caught my attention too, I because I, I took a class in uh, <laughs> Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Um, the film, actually, you're going to delve into Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's, um, well, the depiction originally showing as Holmes as a cocaine addict. Um, and Doyle, from what I understand, I thought, didn't he think that cocaine was going to be the drug of the future? Uh, a good one?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think, um, I don't want to, you know, people to quote me on that, but I think that's pretty uh, close to what you're saying. But I, I can tell you with our character, with Sherlock, yeah, you know, Doyle, he wrote you know, a lot of drug use and alcohol usage in his books. And um, I think there was some point in there where he thought it was good to use these drugs
1: yeah. uh, to
0: yeah. help you know, magnify his, his brain outage, basically, I guess.
1: Exactly, yeah. yeah. But yeah.
0: We're going we're to show the, the drug use and the alcohol use that Sherlock did and go down the rabbit hole, basically, and, and not come out.
1: That's oh wow okay a totally different take on that Uh, I I I dig that Uh, because yeah when I took this class they made it look like uh, well Sir Arthur Conan Doyle thought it was going to be the wonder drug um, the thinking man's drug and Sherlock yeah delved into that and it's interesting to see somebody take use that take I don't know that's been done before before you
0: I don't think so man like um, you know I researched it because I don't like to do stuff that people have done before obviously. The character's been done a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what drew me to him was the way that he was written about. And I was like, man, you know, you haven't really seen the drug usage or the alcohol usage too much on the character.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then it's like, well, if you're going to take that on, you might as well just go for it and do R-rated and uh, and really bring out those, you know, the demons as well. You know, think about all the, those type of murderers and cases that he had to deal with, mm-hmm. you know, if that was a real-life person. Um, this character, you know, 50 years of dealing with crime and murder and abuse, what that would do to a person and then, uh, tap it on the, uh, addiction to like cocaine and, uh, opium and, uh, alcohol. You got a pretty crazy film.
1: That's amazing. So. No, no, no. I, I, I'm loving this. Uh, again, it's, it's been, uh, 30 some years since I took a class in this and to see somebody actually take it on. Very interesting. Very interesting to me. Um, and there will be a female antagonist, from what I understand.
0: Uh, correct, yeah. So um, she's going to be an original character that I've created um, that will go into the Sherlock world. And um, that's going to be a really exciting. Um, you know, I uh, can't reveal too much, but um, sure, sure. You know, she's going to uh, be a very, very challenging um, person and, uh, with Sherlock. And, um, she rouses a lot of stuff up, and, I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun, and that, that role has, actually hasn't even been casted yet.
1: Mm. Oh,
0: and wow. so, whoever gets that role, you know, they get to the, be their own villain in the
1: Sherlock world. Oh, they and, should be lining up, they should be lining up, uh, to be the female Moriarty, you know?
0: Yeah, pretty much on all accounts, you know, it's, it's kind of like that times ten with this character, nice, so. Nice, nice.
1: Yeah. You don't have to answer this one, but I gotta know: Is she going to be a love interest as well? Um, I
0: mean, she. There are some love interests in the film, but um, uh, I'm not going to say where she connects to. (laughs) Good enough.
1: You don't have to answer that. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, from what you're telling me too, uh, this is a because we cover horror here. You called this a horror drama.
0: Yeah, correct. I think, um, you know, at the heart of the film, it's going to be, you know, sort of the drama side, you know, um, a lot of, like, love in the film also, really between the brothers of kind of like Sherlock and Watson. Interesting. Um, But then around that, we're going to surround them with these horrors. And, you know, what's fun about it is, again, with all these type of cases that he's done, um, and all the drugs he's taking you can kind of have some fun, especially like on some hallucination type nightmarish type scenes. Oh man. And, um, so that's what we get to, to play with. And that's kind of where the horror side comes in. Um, or you'll see, you know, some scary things, uh, some unsettling things, um, kind of just a mix of horror, right? You know, it's like suspense and ghost like items and, you know, graphic type items. It's like a big mix. <laughs> um, Basically, everything dark you would think of in the horror or the Sherlock world we're, we're going to show.
1: And there's so. a lot to cover there. They crossed over many times into the, the horror drama. Well, they crossed over many times. And, and Doyle himself, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, um, unlike his character, he believed in fairies, uh, the European version, not Tinkerbell, folks. Uh, <laughs> and the funny thing is that Sherlock did not. He was mathematical.
0: Yeah, correct. You know, and, and Doyle, he also um, believed that he could speak the spirits mm. from the afterlife. And uh, so wow. he was kind of big on that on that scene as well. And um, it's just very interesting, you know, when you read some of his books and then you read about who he was and sort of how things connected and then sort of how things didn't in his writing. Yeah. And um It's very interesting, you know, but there's definitely a lot of material in these uh, short stories and the big stories that he wrote. um, Mm -hmm. We can kind of just like, wow, like that's that's actually pretty uh, graphic. And um, if you brought that to life nowadays, it would be (laughs) R-rated.
1: Right. I'm already looking forward to this one. I I really this is a great take on an old character and it's bold, very bold attempt. Um, now you have. Uh, it seems to. It seems like Le- Les Best is a muse of yours. Is he playing the lead role? He is. So um,
0: so on Eyes of a Roman, uh, Les Best he played Marcus Crassus, which is another big character in history. You know the the man who took down Spartacus basically, and um, you know I've worked with Les on all my films, and you know, so he's sort of been there with me from the beginning. And he's believed in me, believed in my work. And uh, we've developed a pretty good relationship. Um, I would say we're kind of family now, to be honest. Cool. And um, when we were on Eyes of a Roman, I started flirting with the idea of doing an R-rated Sherlock Holmes. Hmm. And I was like, well, if I'm going to do this, this person would have to be already gone through this journey and kind of being beat down. And so we could show the effects of what happened to him on not only the cases, but all the drug uses that he's gone through. And, um, you know, Les is in his uh, mid-60s. And so it kind of just kind of worked out where I was like, man, if I could get Les to play Sherlock also, I think this would be really solid. Um, Les is a very experienced actor, Uh, done a lot of theater and film. You know, he's been doing it for probably 40 years. And um, (laughs) the things that I can see him do are pretty amazing. And so I always try to find something to push him over the edge. (laughs) And with Crassus, I thought I had it, but he, like, nailed it like it was nothing. (laughs) So I'm like, okay. And so, like, with Sherlock, like, well, with Sherlock, I can go full spectrum. And so my goal is to really push him over that edge and basically try to break him as an actor – and, uh, but I think that's what all actors want anyways. You know, they want that challenge. And um, this will definitely, I think, take um, him to his limits.
1: I agree. Um, the many, many actresses and actors that I've talked to, being pushed to their limits is exactly what they need to get the emotion for that character. That's in my experience. I'm not an actor. I've been in indie film, but I'm not an actor. But I've seen it. When they get pushed, they get better.
0: Yeah, you know, we were, we were actually filming the part one of our teaser trailer this past weekend and he uh was helping on an audition for one of these roles and um i got to see him uh, act out this scene that i wrote for the first time Mm -hmm. um, at this audition and yeah man it was really exciting just to watch him uh bring it to life you know with not only the uh, bringing out the dialogue, but just the uh, you know nailing the accents that you have to have. and
1: mm. um,
0: just the way he moves and he can he can bring anger, he can bring tears. He can bring everything that you want. If you put it on the page, he's going to bring it to life. Um, which is what a good actor does.
1: And that's yeah. that's less best, folks. Uh, this this is a C, we're talking to C J. Goodwin right now, uh, director, producer, writer, actor. And before we uh, get into Eyes of a Roman a little bit deeper, I've got to ask um, this Sherlock Holmes script. Uh, I am I, this I think you answered this already. Uh, more of a violent Holmes script than we've seen in the past.
0: Yeah. So um, there's definitely a very deep, dark dialogue um with the drama side and then but there's also going to be some very you know uh i call it beautiful horrific haunting you know imagery in this movie kind of like a gamero del toro i guess Mm. would do with um oh man everything (laughs) i know i always forget that one he did with um the loki actor with oh crimson peak oh yeah yeah. You know, so very like haunting but beautiful in the same way. Yeah. And um, so we're going to have sort of that feel to the movie. Um, there will be some other scenes where we go a little bit more over the top, um, where it's very, can be uh, hard to watch on some of these scenes. Because um, I want the audience to feel like if you are a true detective in the late 1800s, dealing with you know like jack the ripper type crimes this is what you would see and this is what you would go with go mm-hmm. through you know and so we're we're basically making the character a real person basically and um and we're going to show the audience those effects so
1: that's awesome yeah
0: it's going to be very uh horrifying but beautiful <laughs> <laughs> well, in the same way man and uh and we're going to give a lot of nods to the books man that's what's exciting too like a lot of the favorite characters are going to come up in some form or fashion. Um, That's so cool. Yeah, it's going to be fun. So, uh,
1: One last bit on Sherlock before we take our first break here. Um, you got lucky with your location. Um, I, you, can we talk about that? You, you found a location that hadn't been touched much since 1910?
0: Yeah, so my uh, one of my friends, Derek Muir, um, he was in Eyes of a Roman as well. And we actually used his family's uh, property here in Texas.
1: Hmm.
0: They actually have like 1,600 acres of land out here. Oh, wow. And so it's sort of like, yeah, go find a spot to have your battles. And <laughs> on this land, we, they just happened to have um, a couple of houses that were built in like 1905. And um, so we went and checked them out. And, of course, they're very worn down now, but that's the look that we want. Um, so it worked out pretty nice for us to get those houses, because um, in our story, uh, Sherlock does not live inside the city limits anymore. He moved out the countryside to get away from all that stuff. Wow. So, so it works out to our favor, and uh, you know, sometimes that happens. You know, you kind of get lucky on some things, and... Some things you don't. So some things you have to go work hard for, right?
1: This I have heard from every director in 270 episodes now. Um, yeah. Every director, they either get really, really lucky or they lose the location that they had that was the best location. And those are heartbreaking stories. But, yes, I am very aware of that. All right, well, we're, we're, we're talking to C.J. Goodwin here, and we're going to be talking uh, – yes, there's some horror folks coming up here. We're going to tease Jackson, uh, which uh, I got to say, I saw that trailer – and i was sold on uh less best on that uh and that we'll close with that one but we're gonna get into eyes of a roman when we come back from break here folks
0: hey everyone it's margarita from edge of paradise and you're listening to kettle whistle radio
1: We're back, folks, and we're here with director C.J. Goodwin. I, I've got to say um, I have not just noticed him as a director personally. I thought I caught a glimpse of him in a few scenes from his film Eyes of a Roman. Am I wrong?
0: Uh, no, you would be right. I, um, I'm in that film as well as an actor. Um, I don't act too much. I'm more on the directing side, but every once in a while I'll get out there and act as well and um in eyes of a roman i uh i played i guess atticus and it's actually one of the lead roles in this film Mm -hmm. and um really the main reason why i I took that on i was talking with my buddy before we started casting and we just didn't really think we'd be able to find someone that would be wanting to work for four months basically on uh no pay basically and uh and so he's like well maybe you should do it and so i i did my uh my brave heart you know i was like mel gibson and i directed and acted the same movie and uh, and it was fun but also very very challenging and i don't know if i'll ever do that again (laughs) (laughs) you know it uh, it was it was pretty hard you know It's, it's hard to uh direct yourself when you're trying to act so it's you know, you just do the best you can, and then you hope the people um, that are acting with you uh, give you real feedback. You know, because sometimes you're like, well, he's a director, so I don't want to say anything. It's like, no, tell me. Like, if I'm not doing it good, you need to tell me. Like, I don't want to <laughs> hurt the film, basically. So.
1: That's cool. Oh, man, that, no, that's awesome. Um, something you said here, and this caught my attention. I had to bring it up. Your director's statement. The truth will always be the hardest of paths. Now, I'm pretty, uh, I'm in my 50s now, uh, early, early 50s, and I found that to be uh, about as true (laughs) a statement that could be ever heard. The truth will always be the hardest of paths. Now, how does that fall into place in the story of Eyes of a Roman?
0: Uh, Yeah, so I guess that's sort of the heart of the film, you know. I think, um, you know, with my character, um, he's found... Pretty much right in the beginning of the film, um, the Romans are on the outskirts of Rome, and uh, one of their uh, settlements got attacked by a barbarian group, and everyone dies except for my character. And my character at that time is about nine to ten years old, and brought up uh, with Marcus Crassus. He sort of adopts me and then teaches me the Roman ways. And then, you know, Marcus Crassus, he's all about wealth and glory. And so he kind of uses me as a pawn um, to try to help him get to that moment to basically ruling Rome. Hmm. And through my journey, you know, he has me go and like spy in the camp of Spartacus. And when I'm there, I realize that, you know what, the Spartacus and his people, you know, they aren't all that bad. Like, why are we enslaving and killing all these people? You know, and uh, so you kind of find out the truth. And, um, you know, with the truth being, you know, the hardest to pass and all that good stuff. And so my character starts to, um, kind of fight back, right. Push back on that. It's like, yeah, I don't, I'm not comfortable doing this anymore since now I know what the truth is. And, um, I feel like we deal with that on everyday basis, you know, be from, you know, uh, I really hate my job, but I'm going to keep going. You know, and pretend that I like it because I have um, duties in my life, like supporting my family, um, where if some some people if they had their choice, you know, um, <laughs> like your own free choice to do whatever you want, you know, maybe they would quit that job and go do something else, <laughs> you know, and so you can kind of take it how far you want it from politics to not agreeing with what your, your, your parents say, whatever. And, um, and that's kind of what the story is. It's just, it's, um, making difficult decisions and, uh, trying to make the right decision and understanding that um, every decision you make is going to have consequences, whether it's good or bad. And, um, and that's kind of what we deal with. I mean, anyone that knows about history, Spartacus made a choice. He decided to stand up for what was right and he did a good thing for a little while, but then he lost he got killed, and everybody got crucified. So even though he did the right thing, and he made the right choice, he still paid for it, right? Right. And so sometimes when you do the right thing, it doesn't always turn out to, to be the best ending, basically. And um, and that's true in life.
1: Very true. You know? Very true.
0: And so I just wanted to show that it was exactly the same, basically, in history as well, you know. Things haven't really changed on that level, if you know what I mean.
1: Absolutely. And um, here we are talking about it. So it did make some kind of difference. Um, I find it very bold of you, but very bold in general, to take a piece of history. And uh, and I find it fascinating to make the audience see things from a different perspective. Was that your goal here? Are you changing history or just their perspective?
0: Uh,
1: I'm definitely not
0: changing history. Um, I'm just, it's more getting different perspectives mm-hmm. um, from different people within. You know, I think um, what's fun with this is we get perspective from, um, you know, in this time frame, a, uh, a female uh, slave, a, a Roman soldier, a, an adopted child, uh, Spartacus. And Marcus Crassus. So you're almost getting five or six different perspectives in the film mm-hmm. of what, what they believe in and what they believe is right. And and that's what's interesting, because, you know, as you know, in this world that we know today, there's a lot of people out there that they believe what they're doing is right than nothing else. You know, and so everyone <laughs> has different perspectives on everything. Yeah. And, and so in this film, I, I show what these perspectives are from each character's. And what's fun, though, with this movie is that each character, at some point in time in the film, they do think about what the other person or people are saying to them. And even if it doesn't turn them completely, you do see them think about it in the film, and it does have an effect on them, at least momentarily. Yeah. So that's interesting to watch, um, even, you know, some of the big guys like Marcus Crassus.
1: So I, yeah. And now you said you filmed this in Texas. You're, you're in San Antonio, correct? Yes. But you filmed it elsewhere Now I don't care anywhere in Texas. Uh, wardrobe had to be not just expensive, but, um, very uncomfortable. <laughs> right. <laughs> Was that the biggest uh, complaint?
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, um, you know, so Texas, you know, we're not like obviously the, the, uh, Northern states, in the U.S., you know, when it comes to being cold.
1: No, I've spent uh, I've spent a lot of time in, in uh well Austin and Dallas and Ulysses, but yeah. I would
0: say, um, you know, for San Antonio, our cold weather, you know, in the mornings, it's normally like, you know, mid thirties, and then by like two o'clock, it's like fifty-five or sixty <laughs> degrees. Right. And we consider that cold, you know, we're wusses. Now, of course, in the summer, it's one hundred and ten. And so people, if they're from the North, they come down here and they're like passing out. Oh yeah. (laughs) So so it's like the reverse effect. And, um, (laughs) but you know, we were out there and basically just tunics and sandals running around in 26 degree weather. And um, it was cold, man, it was cold. And um, we had chain mail that was real.
1: Oh cool, Uh, okay, I was gonna ask about that, okay.
0: Yeah, so it was very, very heavy. Uh, for the actors and of course that was very cold as well <laughs> when it was cold outside um, You know the helmets were legit um, you know, we actually made our own swords um, out of wood and then with the um, um, Prop uh, department they were able to add I forgot what's it's called It's not foil, but it's something that can kind of go over the wood to make it look real Um, on top of that, just, you know, kind of spray painting it the right way and movie magic, basically. Yeah.
1: No, I love it. I love this stuff. You probably shouldn't give it all out.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, you know, I think, um, you know, even like the big blockbusters, you know, they're not using real swords either, you know, or they shouldn't be, so they
1: shouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, well, no, we won't get it. That's a whole nother story and level. We're not going to talk about today. Uh, but there is something. I Well, okay. Um, soundtrack. We, uh, location we already talked about, but soundtrack. How do you go about getting a soundtrack for a film like this? Where do you begin?
0: Well, um, so my composer, um, his name is Antonio Bradanti. And he lives in Canada, actually. And we've never met in real life. Um, we've just only met through, like, basically Zoom calls or you know the Facebook Messenger stuff and um we found each other for the film Jackson and on Jackson which was my second feature um he wrote that music for me we worked really well together and then from there we did um Goodnight l b which was going to be a feature but turned into a short uh because of all the covid stuff and then with Eyes of a Roman, he wrote that score as well. And, um, that's kind of how I got my music, you know? And when you have a, um, a composer like Antonio, um, it's a game changer, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have great music that goes with your story, which we do, and you know, the, the music, it's very majestic, you know, it's kind of like a uh, gladiator, you know, Ridley Scott's film. It, uh, very similar to that style, I guess. We're we're
1: very <laughs> and, we're very focused here on uh, soundtracks, so yeah, it's very important to us too.
0: Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah, I think um, yeah, if you're really into that um, that type of music or soundtracks, you know, like Gladiator or Braveheart, um, this is right up there with it. He did a really great job. You can hear a little bit on the trailer that's out right now eyes of a roman trailer there's some of his music with that
1: cool
0: and um it's just beautiful work man he's a very talented guy there's a lot of talented composers out there he's one of them and uh, he actually just got picked up by disney oh jeez. Uh, yeah four or five months ago so i don't know if i'm gonna see him anymore Ah <laughs> oh, man
1: maybe he'll do you a favor sometime you know <laughs>
0: yeah no i'm sure he'll, he'll still be around and help me out but, yeah well uh... yeah,
1: hope, yeah hopefully yeah you never forget your friends and the people that got you there that's the way i've always looked at things um now uh curious too uh you don't you probably don't have to answer this but if it's a spoiler but what was the hardest scene to film what was the toughest one to film uh, maybe a battle scene or violence or maybe just an interaction?
0: Um, that's a good question. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, every day since we were dealing with the elements, mm, yeah. you know, uh, 90% of the film was filmed outdoors. Um, and we were filming in the winter. In fact, we had the, um, <laughs> for Texas, we actually, was we had uh, two weeks of snow.
1: Gee, so you had an establishing shot problem.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, I, obviously, I, I would have loved to get some snow shots, but, you know, frostbite and, you know, uh, when when it snows in Texas, we don't know what to do. So they just shut down all the highways. And,
1: this you know, I know. I do know that.
0: <laughs> traveling was not good. And then, of course, then we had the, uh, the power outage. Oh. And, and so we – Texas was without, right. without power for like a week or two. Yes. Oh, man. I do remember that. And so we ran into that issue, but to kind of get back to your, your question about the, um, I guess, what was the
1: hardest... A the toughest, Yeah, toughest scene to film. Um... To be honest, I think it was... Well, okay. Well, I
0: guess I know which one it was. I mean, for me, personally, I know which one it was. Um, but I can't say that one because that's more too much of a spoiler. But I think um, really the first weekend, I guess, was probably the most challenging just because... It was the first time we were all out there together, kind of cast and crew, and um, we still had a locked phone. And uh, so it's, when you're trying to get to know each other, everyone right away, um, that can be a little challenging. You know, Obviously, we had Zoom calls, and everybody was talking through that. But for a lot of us, this is the first time meeting up, hmm. and you get out there, and it's you know 28 degrees, and we're setting up stuff and doing all that. And, um, I think that the first weekend I was, um, I had some pretty heavy dialogue. And, um, so right out of the gate, you know, I had to try to, you know, set that bar level, which was a little challenging because <laughs> you're already doing so many things right as the director. Everything. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that was probably the hardest part. You know, everyone thinks it's, you know, normally the, the fighting scenes, but, you know, to be honest, um, we rehearsed for three weekends, um, a couple of months before we started filming. Um, so everybody already knew their marks.
1: That's you know? cool. Wow.
0: Yeah. So once we got out there, we already knew what we were doing. And so to be honest, the the fight scenes weren't all, you know, too hard as far as like, what are we going to do? Cause we already knew, um, those get a little painful, you know, cause even <laughs> though we are using like wooden swords and stuff. If you see the trailer, there's people being oh yeah flipped over people's bodies. and
1: Yeah, there was some punches in the face there, some wraps to the head that looked like they connected.
0: Yeah, you know, I think um we, we definitely had some stump people, or if they weren't stump people, they were okay with um, taking some licks, you know, and that's all stuff that you get ahead of time, obviously, to make sure they're comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. I was one of those people. Obviously, I wanted to make it as real as possible, some, like, yeah, and in the, in the trailer, when, when Crassus slaps me in the face in the tent, he really slapped me. <laughs> you know? I knew that was real. I knew it. Yeah. You know, uh, I think I took everything except for the headbutts in the film. You know, those are fake, but uh, we made them look as real as possible. So,
1: <laughs> I, Man, that I'm just saying. Um, all right, well, you know, this is funny. I, I should have started with this, but we are kind of meeting for the first time, but... The reason that you're here, you uh, listened to the Patrick Ray interview I did, um, a phenomenal horror indie director. Uh, are you guys friends? Um, we're not.
0: You know, I've actually never talked with Patrick. Um, I know of his work. Um, I've seen him through social media. Okay. And um, I follow um, some of his work and posts. Um, but I've actually never have spoken with him.
1: Well, no, it's flattering that you uh, you appreciated that, and I'm, I'm glad that we met uh, in, in the strangest ways. Just like you're saying, how you guys zoomed each other before you were on the set. You know, you got to, we have this thing now where we can meet like this. Um, I guess it breaks the ice in some ways, uh, but there's nothing like being in person. Uh, you know, I'd like to meet you sometime also. But I appreciate you connecting. Uh, I th- I think we might have been friends prior on Facebook prior to um, that. I'm not sure. Uh, before you listen to Patrick Ray but yeah go back and listen to that one folks that's a good one too uh, but we're gonna get right back with CJ Goodwin right now um, again uh, we just talked about eyes of a Roman if you're not sold on what he had to say just now watch the trailer it's on YouTube uh, where else can you find it just YouTube
0: uh, yeah I think just YouTube or um, on actual Facebook uh, we yeah. have an eyes of a Roman page yep. you can go there as well and it's there
1: also very cool. All right, we're going to take our last break here before we finish up here, because uh, we're going to talk. Yes, folks, he did make a horror movie that I missed, and I, when I saw the trailer, I was kicking myself for it. Uh, we're going to talk Jackson next, um, but we're going to leave you with this. We're going to let CJ figure out. Um, he needs to, when we come back from break. I want to hear about his favorite horror movie and his favorite band. All right, so you think about that, CJ. and We'll come right back. Die!
0: Take a closer look at what's now dwelling in the dark, if you dare. Available on Amazon in traditional print and e Get your copy today. Visit
1: www.fairlydarkproductions.com for more info on the author and his work. All right, folks, friends and fiends, thanks for staying with us. We are here with C.J. Goodwin. Like I said, director, producer, artist, extraordinaire. I haven't used that term in a long time. Everybody says extraordinaire. Unless you actually see the person in their work, then you can say it. Um, I was I, The trailers I saw with your work, uh, I cannot wait to see Sherlock Holmes. I cannot wait to see Eyes of, uh, Eyes of the Roman. And this one coming up, Jackson, I can't wait to see. This is an actual horror movie, folks, called Jackson. And it came out a while ago. Uh, there's a trailer you can watch. And again, your buddy uh, Les Best is in it, correct? Uh, yeah. And yeah, he's, um, he's in there, so. before we dig in deep, though, I did give you a little bit of homework here. We'd like to know your favorite horror movie or favorite and favorite band.
0: Uh, sure. So, yeah, I think on the horror side, you know, mine's probably a little bit more up to date. Um, I really like The uh, the Conjuring. Good. Uh-huh. Uh, I like that one and the second one because James Wan directed those. And, yes. yes you the know, story. And, and I'm a big James Wan fan when it comes to the horror side just because I feel like um, I do sort of the same style where if you watch The Conjuring, especially in The Conjuring 2, it's really about the, the love and relationship between the Warrens. Mm-hmm. And then there's so that's the heart of the film, and then the horror is around it. Well, I I do something very similar with my movies. Jackson's that way, you know. The Sherlock Holmes movie is going to be that way, you know. That's just sort of my style, and so I really kind of flock to his um, his style and the way he uh, makes films. And and plus, there's some pretty uh, scary moments in those movies. So
1: yeah, Mayor of the Night sounds like it. There. Man, I don't want you to give spoilers, but you brought up Jack the Ripper. I know I'm straying from the subject right now. Uh, you can't really talk about what. Can you talk if Jack shows up or not?
0: Well, I mean, I am trying to make this, uh, you know, as realistic possible. Okay. So, you know, in, in my story, you know, Sherlock is a real person. Mm. So yeah. So Jack may be around. We'll find
1: out. <laughs> Very cool. I like that. That's even more of a tease than I wanted. So all right, uh, all right. Uh, so favorite band? Do you have a band music you like?
0: Um, so I'm actually I I love kind of all music. I'm one of those guys, you know. I'll I'll listen to, you know, Tom Petty, Bob Marley, uh, Collective Soul, The Beatles, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Mm. You know, I'm I'm kind of all over the place.
1: Nothing wrong with any of that.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I really like all types of music. To be honest, you know, um, so I don't know if I have like just like this is my band, you know, that I just love and will listen to. You know, obviously I was an '80s kid, and so I listened to a lot of the '80s uh, rock bands growing up. You know? Interesting.
1: Lot... I-, I thought you were a lot. I thought you were a lot younger than that. Okay.
0: No, I was born in '81. Okay. And, um so my <laughs> you know, my parents they got me on it pretty early, you know, was, you know, Motley Crue. and uh I just saw them again. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I think they were in San Antonio, I think too, but I, I missed out on that one. But yeah, I gotta give a shout out to um some of my extras that were in Eyes of a Roman.
1: Yeah, please. Uh,
0: they kinda have their own uh, I wanna say it's a heavy metal band. Um they're called Hellgrim. Uh, so H E L L g-r-i-m-m and um and they do tours so they've been touring toward the u.s and hitting up some some clubs and stuff and uh and they're pretty good man they're pretty good so you Um, can you can find them on facebook also i'm already
1: interested all they have to do is give me permission i'll play whatever they want yeah yeah i
0: think they just released a new song called ritual and um but yeah, I know they would love the the shout out from you for sure. They're um, hmm. really nice people, man. They came on and helped out on my film. They were there every day I needed them, and and then they go out and rock. So it's
1: kind of a cool group for sure. I have an open door policy for any Texas band. Are they a Texas band? I, I assume they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're
0: out San Antonio.
1: Oh, then, yeah, then uh, yeah, please, uh, I'll, I'll hit them up. But yeah, I just all I need is permission to play. I'm already interested. That sounds great. Um, yes. Now, Jackson. I just tagged you. <laughs>
0: Should be coming there in there in a second. Yes. So I just tagged you for for you, so it'll be easier for you to find him.
1: I appreciate that. We love that. All Any new music, just like we, our ears are tuned immediately. But now back to you, my my friend. Um, so Jackson, this is a horror movie. Um, can you give us a little insight on it? Um, the trailer does speak volumes, and it, it appears to be like one of my favorite kinds of the of that particular genre. But yeah, I'd love to hear what you if you could just give us a little insight on it.
0: Sure, um, so it's definitely a psychological thriller. You know that sort of style where there's, you know. Um, You know, the paranormal and the the ghost type feel, you know, kind of like The Conjuring, you know, that type of style. And um, basically the story, um, this really isn't giving anything away because it happens basically in the credits. But um, Trevor Knight, who is played by Les Best, he's a paranormal investigator. Mm -hmm. That's his career. And his wife uh, dies giving childbirth. Um, to his son, who his son's name is Jackson, hence the title of the film. And as Jackson grows up, you know, probably around seven or eight years old, uh, Trevor realizes that Jackson can kind of get in touch with the spirits and and see things. And so once he finds this out, um, Trevor Knight, he decides to use his son to his benefit and put Jackson in these very intense situations and I kind of made a scale, um, so like a GH5, which means ghost house, and then 5 is the highest level you can have. Well, so he was like kind of prepping his son, right, with some GH1s and 2s, so they're not too intense. Mm-hmm. But once you get to GH4s, the the ghosts can harm you. And uh, obviously GH5 is the worst that it gets. And uh, GH5 uh was actually my first film that I made. That's the title
1: of it. I saw I saw a, a glimmer of that. I, I was gonna ask you about it. Is that available? Um I don't think so. Ah. <laughs> yeah.
0: G H five and Jackson, they were out and they were available like we were talking about a little bit before. Um, it was on Amazon Prime and these other platforms. Right. Um but it got taken off and I just haven't really re released it back to the world yet.
1: Okay. Doesn't mean I'm not going to.
0: I can I can definitely send you a private link pretty simply. Please, uh, where you can check it out.
1: Please, I'd watch it tonight.
0: So what's interesting, you know, GH Five was my first film, and then Jackson is actually the prequel to that. Cool. And so those two movies uh, connect. I love it. Uh, But now they can be watched separately. If you only watched one of them, you would never know. You know what I mean? And um, so you don't need the other film to make the other film, basically. But there are connections, so it's a lot of fun to kind of watch both them, kind of see some of those Easter eggs, you know.
1: No, I love it. That that is actually my favorite approach to writing. Truly, Um, yeah. If you get like, yeah, if you read two things separately, but you can put them together. But if they're separate, they still stand on their own. There's something to that that I've just always found intriguing, and I've done it myself.
0: Yeah, it's very cool. And so obviously, if you see the Jackson trailer you can kind of see where it starts to lead to. Kind of Trevor, he kind of gets, you know, uh, pushing for that, the money and the glory type of thing and he gets kind of out of control and before you know it, it's just chaos, basically. And, uh, but it's also very heartfelt in there. You know, I, um, when I was writing it, you know, I have a lot of like the father-son type storylines, hmm. you know, in my films and um, I think most, You know, uh, writers, I think they, you know, you write what you know. And so I think it's sort of the same with um, musicians. So, like, if you've been affected in a certain way in your personal life, you kind of end up writing about those type of things. And um, so I draw from that. You know, I I draw from what's around me and kind of what affects me as a person. And you kind of put that into your writing uh, while you're creating these characters. And um, I don't know. So it's fun, man. It's 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 fun to do. It's another um, really great film performance by Les. That was my second feature, and you know what's fun is you know if you watch both of them, you see the progression. You know, GH five was my very first film. You know, I didn't go to film school. I just learned on my own, and so GH five, on all accounts, is pretty rough. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then uh, Jackson's ten times better. You know, Eyes of a Roman is 10 times better than Jackson, you know, so you just keep growing as an artist and getting better and better and better. And uh, it's always fun. I think that's why Les um, keeps coming back and works with me as um, he sees my progression. Um, but he also sees the passion and the love that I put into each project, you know, that, that obviously pushes everything it's kind of why why you have this podcast david you know if (laughs) if we didn't truly love it we wouldn't be doing
1: you're right yeah Uh, yeah. (laughs) that's a very good point um yeah uh yeah you just wow you just took me right out of my next question there uh (laughs) but yeah my, my favorite films are the ones that like purvey the feeling that someone or something is always watching you and watching that trailer for jackson uh i'm still mad at myself for not seeing it um I get that feeling like there's it, it, it like all right we'll just get into some some of my more recent favorites uh, like the the babadook mothman prophecies not that new but something wicked this way comes not that new uh there's just this the this something is watching you and controlling the situation something's pulling the strings you know like begs the question who is pulling those strings i'm not sure if that's where you are with this but that's what i got from the trailer
0: uh, yeah, you know, I, there's, there's definitely some of that in there, you know, I think, um, you know, I think the heart of the story with this one is, you know, um, sometimes even parents um, can be blinded and focus too much on their careers um, without them even realizing it or damaging and hurting their own children. And I think that's where this story sort of stems from. And um, it kind of goes from there. And I think that's where the heart of this film is. And that's why there's definitely, you know, some emotional moments in the movie. And that's kind of where I I live. You know, even if it's a horror film, there's going to be some deep dialogue with emotion involved. And not all horror is like that. No. You know, some horrors like, you know, Chainsaw Massacre, we're going to, you know, cut you up and kill you. Right. you know? yep. <laughs> and, uh, which there's nothing wrong with that. you know there's there's people love all sorts of movies, you know what I mean? And um that's just sort of where I live with my films. I like to tackle serious subject matter, whether it's within a family or as big as you know, Marcus Craft is trying to kill innocent people and enslave six thousand of them.
1: you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. I do. Um yes, instead of just having the final girl in a, a a slasher you're developing characters that we care about. We care about. It sounds like we should care about all of them. Uh not to put down the final girl films because I enjoy a good slasher when I feel like watching one. Uh but this sounds like this was I, I hear this being personal or cathartic for you.
0: Uh yeah. You know, I think I touched on that a little bit. I think mm-hmm. um, you know, I definitely draw from what has affected me as a person, um, whether growing up as a child or just as an adult in general. I think um, I can definitely pull from that, um, and even like in Sherlock, you know, it's like, well, surely that's just all from the books. It's like, well, no, not necessarily, man. You know, you you make your own story, and then you put in stuff that kind of has affected you a little bit that you think um, you can kind of connect with the audience on,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you know? So I think most people in the world has had some challenging times with their parents um, at some time in their life. And so I just took it to the next level, basically, Mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of like having problems with your parents on steroids, you know? And uh, so anyways, so yeah, I, I definitely draw from that. You know, I think that film definitely had some of that in there for sure. Um, that was just a time in my life where it kind of made sense. Um, but now I wouldn't make that movie now, you know, because now my life is different um, with my father. And so I would even, I wouldn't even bring that to the table. Hmm. And so it's, it's interesting how that works.
1: It is. Um, I I, so, do, I actually understand what the heck you just said. I do.
0: Yeah. So I think in a lot of ways, You know, sometimes we act on raw emotion and then you you write something or you play music and it comes out and then it's like, yeah, now I'm all good. So, you know, I would even make this movie now. Definitely not the same way I did
1: right and you're you put that behind you five seven years now everybody just saw it for the first time what's wrong with you no 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 we already buried that one <laughs> yeah i know
0: like well, he's got daddy issues.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah right seriously yeah. yeah and your garage band just knocked down the garage door like no no no, no. We, we we played that years ago all right but yeah i i just dug like what i got from watching the trailer to jackson uh just that creepy kind of The carnival that rolls into town you never see who's in charge or who's rolling the projector um it just seemed like yeah there's something well in the shadows and i guess we can't talk too much about it but i'm totally intrigued
0: well very cool man very cool yeah i can definitely send you um that link for sure and then you know, it's it's going to come back uh, to the public soon. You know, I'm looking at you know like the film hub stuff and um, mm-hmm. getting it back on some platforms and things of that nature. So, you know, obviously, once it gets back out there, I'll let the world know.
1: Yeah, so they please. Can watch it too. Yeah, please. Well, we got we got some big stuff coming out for you. Uh, so we got all right. So um, eyes of the, eyes of a Roman November. We got Sherlock Holmes March. Correct.
0: Yeah, so Eyes of Roman comes out uh, November 5th. I'm actually having a red carpet premiere at the Kerrville Calo Theater here in Texas. It's about 40 minutes from San Antonio. And um, basically because we filmed in that area. Mm -hmm. So we had a lot of the um, cast and crew from that area. And so it sort of just makes sense. Um, That's the first place to show it in a venue. Um, Unless we make Austin Film Fest. Oh, you know, we man. did submit to Austin Film Festival, and uh, we're definitely hoping we get picked up there. And
1: um, we'll see what happens. I, but, uh, I bet you do. Yeah, I bet but you in do. March,
0: March is uh, when we're filming, Sherlock. So.
1: Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. So I, I'm confused on dates. And All right. Uh, yeah, because, uh, well, I'm just excited, and I hate waiting. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh, and all your stuff, too. Uh, I, I should ask this one. Uh, practical effects? Do you use practical effects?
0: Uh, yep. Yeah, we, I don't use any green screen in my stuff. So it's, that's, it's all,
1: it's all real. That's what we want to hear. That's what we want to hear. And the soundtrack, of course, um, I, I heard a little bit in Jackson as well. Uh, are you using, I'm sorry, use the same composer for Sherlock and, um, uh, well, Mayor of the Night. I, I keep saying Sherlock. Mayor of the Night and, um, Eyes of a Roman. It's, it's the same, uh, composer for them.
0: So, uh, for Jackson and Eyes of a Roman, that is the same composer, Antonio Gradanti. I want him for uh, Sherlock, Mayor of the Night.
1: Okay. um,
0: But he has not um, signed on just yet, um, just because he's busy with Disney right now. Yeah, Disney, I know. 360. He actually actually, uh, wrote a song for uh, James Gunn um, for Peacemaker. Wow. So his song is on HBO.
1: Wow, that's amazing. Well, well, I'm glad I asked that again. Uh, hey, man, thank you so much for doing this, and thanks for putting up with us and our scheduling and everything else going on. Uh, we hope to have you on when these films come out uh, so we can recap and get some reviews from people that saw it, um, including my, um, <laughs> my co-host not here. Uh, but yes, uh, I look forward to meeting you too someday
0: yeah of course you um you come to austin every once in a while and uh so whenever you come back to texas let me know and we'll definitely hook up
1: love to south by southwest is this weekend too from what i understand or this week and uh i would love to have been there for that but that's another story uh let's see um wow i had so much more to talk about but we'll save it for another time and uh I want to wish you all the luck in the world. I want to thank you for coming on, uh, CJ Goodwin. And um, as far as music, um, I'm going to look up that band that you gave us and uh, hopefully listen to some more of your soundtracks too. Your soundtracks intrigued me. Like When I, I first couldn't get the trailers to play because I, I left my phone on and walked away and I heard it. I'm like, wow, what the heck's going on here? And I ran back and I was like, wow, this is really good. Uh, totally intrigued. Uh, so guys, trailers you got just watch them watch jackson because it's fun and let's bring that one back folks and eyes of a roman watch the. are there two different trailers for that i saw uh, you gave me two but i think they're the same
0: yeah so um there should only be yeah just one trailer for jackson and for eyes of a roman so yeah okay yeah if you if you google both of those it should pop up to be honest i think the jackson one's a little more challenging because i think you just type in Jackson, I'm pretty sure Michael Jackson
1: pops up. Oh, (laughs) jeez. So
0: you got to put in, like, Jackson horror trailer, and then it should pop up
1: for you. You got that, folks. That's very important. Very important. Um, And I'm sure your eyes are looking to the future. I don't know if you can tell us what you have planned, but I'm sure you have, like, five different things in your mind right now. Uh, What's next on your plate?
0: Yeah, so after um, Sherlock, Mayor of the Night... um, We're probably going to be doing a horror trilogy, to be honest, Um, which is going to be pretty wild because we're planning on filming all three within a six month time frame. Wow. Cool. And then we want to release each film like one every year, basically. All right. I like that. Yeah. So that's going to be fun. And then um, I kind of have like what I call my Oscar film. It's a big Texas movie. And uh, that one would definitely need. I don't know. Definitely some money behind it and uh, a lot of actors. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see if I can get there. I hope I can because the story we have is, is, is a beautiful story and I would love to be able to tell it.
1: So. Well, watching uh, You Pave Your Way, I can tell you it looks pretty good to me compared to a lot of people I have talked to, and some of them very good stories. Um, yes, uh, I wish you all the luck in the world, and I can't wait to watch these movies. And uh I hope, Hey, are you doing any horror cons anytime soon? Um,
0: no, I don't think so. You know, I'm just, um, too busy. Yeah. You know, I got the festivals coming up and then the, the premieres for rise of a Roman. And then like, we're kind of filming the teaser trailer right now just to get ready for, uh, the crowdfunding push for Sherlock. And then, uh, you know, then the holidays will be here. Oh yeah. So I'll be, uh, with, Doing the family stuff, so...
1: Oh, that again, yes. Yeah. Uh, Well, if you happen to be in Point Pleasant on September uh, 16th through the 18th, um, I will be there uh, for the Mothman Festival with my author friend Christine Soltis. And... um, it's gonna be a hell of a great time, and they do it every year, and this is the first time we actually got in. So I'm looking forward to that. Many a horror con coming up, folks, and if you can find, if you want to find us, find us on Facebook, Kettle Whistle Radio. If you got music for us, you know, hit me up on Facebook, man. Uh, David, you know my stupid name, last name Fairhead, F-A-I-R-H-E-A-D, yeah, you know, you know the name. Um, but Kettle Whistle Radio at Gmail. If you have music to send me, we will play it with your permission, and I'm at Fairly Doc on Twitter and of course Instagram. Kettle dot whistle dot radio, and this is where you send out your all your socials right now, sir.
0: Uh, yeah, so I mean, obviously you can find me on just the IMBD page, um, CJ Goodwin. It's Goodwin with the Y. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, uh, Instagram, um, and that's probably about it. I think you know, but I'm, I'm pretty heavy just on Facebook, to be honest. You know that and Instagram, and then. Um, all my films are on Facebook as well. So Jackson, Eyes of a Roman, Sherlock, Mare of the Night, um, even GH5. They all have their own page. So feel free to you know, get on there and uh, feel free to reach out to me anytime.
1: I'm so glad we got to the, the bottom of GH5 because I was very curious about that. Well, folks, friends and fiends, thanks for listening and um, check out CJ Goodwin's work. and. Go see his films when they're available. I'll probably let you know when they're available for streaming, for sure. All right, and uh, have a good night. Cool. Thanks, David. Take care, man. podcast.